was not for the if it was not for the Slavic votes, we would not have had enough to get over the top. And so we're, we're I'm very much aware of the Slavic community <laughs> in Vancouver. I always have been, and because my values and their values match. Right now, after I was elected and I served for 20 years in the state senate. 2017, right? Uh, I I was my last election was 2012, and it was a four-year term, and so I I. That was my last term, my fifth term. I served all four years of it. I didn't quit early. I, I tell people I'm going to represent you. About three days later, I got a call from President Trump. Mm. He, he read in the paper, I guess, that I wasn't going to run for re-election. Wow. And it was, it was mind-boggling that, that they would know that. And they asked me if I would help on his election since I wasn't going to be running my own. And I said, certainly I would help uh, because... Mr. Benton, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? How are you feeling today? Yeah, I feel great. Thanks awesome. for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Well, before before we <laughs> before he came in, we had a really interesting guest that we just briefly uh, covered. And it sounds like you know him a little bit. Andre? I uh, do know him. Awesome, He's awesome. very active in our community. Yes, yes he is. Yes. And he obviously uh, you know, runs an organization, Flash Love, which they're doing incredible work. And um, I, I, have you ever uh, interacted with him where you felt like the, the work that he's doing can be very beneficial for the state and for the government, and the two should be working together in many ways. What, what do you think about that? Oh, of course. Absolutely. He does wonderful work, and we need more people like him Absolutely. to do more stuff like that Absolutely. right? and get more people involved in the community and activate more citizens. So many of us just go to work every day and come home and go to practice with our kids and you know make dinner and we're not really involved. Right. Uh, and a lot of things happen that we're not aware of because of that. And so I try to encourage people, get more involved in, in at least your local area mm-hmm. where you live. Find, talk to your neighbors. Go down to the local park. Talk to other people. Find out what's happening around you. Because you might learn that there's stuff going on you didn't know about. When I came home after working for President Trump, I discovered that they were trying to build a jail in my residential community. Wow for the criminally insane wow. <laughs> in a, in a, right across the street <laughs> from a school where, where, and it's like, who could come up with such a crazy idea, right? right. Not good right. Well, prices. I'll tell you who, Jay Inslee <laughs> and the state government, that's who. Right. Uh, right. It was their idea and they're pushing it down our throats and we've right. been fighting that. But, but a lot of people didn't know about it is my point. And that's because they, they're in their own little cocoons. They're going to work and they're coming home and they're watching the national news and they're paying attention, but they don't know really what's happening close by in their right. neighborhood. Right, right. Well, and sometimes it's too late when you find yeah. out about these things. It's too late to stop them. Exactly, so. exactly. Well, one thing you mentioned about serving the community and you're a great example because you've been serving for many, many years. And that's what I want to kind of start off with, just learning about you a little bit more, just hearing you know your story. And if you want to just share briefly about uh, just... Uh, are you from here, or where were you originally born? And just about your service to the community, because you've you've been serving for many many years. So, if you want to just uh, start with introducing yourself and who you are, and then kind of your your story. I, I grew up in the country in Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, and my dad was a retired naval officer and was in World War II, and uh, he was elected to the local school board, and I helped him. I was his quote unquote campaign manager when I was eight years old. Nice. So I would go around with him as he'd go from door to door. In the country, you can't doorbell by walking. You know, you, you don't canvas your neighborhoods walking door to door uh, in the country. Right. You do it either uh, with a, a, 
a scooter or a car, or I've seen some people even do it on a horse. Right. But <laughs> so we, I would ride with him in the car, and we'd go door to door, and we'd talk to people. And, right. And he got elected to the school board. So I, I saw at a very early age yeah. how getting involved can make a difference in right. your community. So you were born into a world of service. And and so, you know, I, that was for dad. It was a natural extension after serving in the Navy. He came home, he got another job, but the serving part of it, he continued to do as he ran for the school board and he served for 16 years, wow. four, four terms, he was reelected to that school board. And so obviously I became active as a result of that, not only in the community, but started with school, college, I was student body president in college. And then, you know, when I got out of college, I met my, my lovely wife, Mary, we got married and we decided to move to Washington. And she's with us here today. She is. She's yeah. here. Well, maybe next time to... she can come on and share a little bit about her story as well. <laughs> we want her side of the story, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if I want her telling her side of the story. So I have a quick, I have a quick question. Uh, what prompted your dad to go for school board? I mean, that's yeah. a real—I know with the Slavic community, we're actually at that stage. I'll where, tell you what got him riled up, yeah, because I remember because I remember asking him, you know, what, what year happened? What year was that? What year was that? And, oh, it that's would have been <laughs> 60s or 70s, probably, wow. you know. And he said, because we lived in a bifurcated community, you know, mm -hmm. Acton and Aguadulce, if anybody's familiar with that in California. But we had a nice school in Acton, but it was about 30 miles away. And the district had bought a piece of land many years before with the intention of building a school in our community so that we wouldn't have to spend an hour and a half on a bus oh, wow. to go 35 miles to, to another school, right, that we could have one closer well, the school board, in its infinite wisdom, had decided that they were going to sell that land that a previous board many years before had purchased and would add on to the existing school. And my dad said, no, 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 wait a minute. You promised us, not you, but the board, when they bought this land, said this was for a school in our community, and that's what it needs to be for. And so he ran for the school board to stop them from selling that land. Wow. And he was successful, and I actually attended classes at that new school that was built. It took us about 15 minutes to get there instead of an hour over an hour. So it sounds um, like uh, the so issues, it made a big difference. Sounds That's like the issues back then they're not the same as the issues are now. No, now it's a different no. world. Well, it was still about keeping uh, your promises, right? Right. And right. a lot of politicians for years, over a hundred years, they make promises, and they get elected, and then they don't keep them. And I think that's what turns people off of politicians and off of politics. If they just keep their word, if they just keep their promises, if they just do what they said they were going to do, they would have a lot more respect. That's one of the reasons President Trump was so popular, is that he actually did what he said he was going to do on the campaign trail. And more. I'm and when he got elected, he actually <laughs> went and did it. You know, And people go, wow, this is the first time in my life a politician yeah. has ever said he's going to do something, and then turns around and doesn't make excuses for not doing it. You know, well, he actually because, goes uh, and does it. It's probably because he wasn't a politician before. He was exactly. Yeah. So that's what drove me. You know, my dad got me going. I, I didn't, in school and in college, I was involved. Uh, when we moved here, I went to the Clark County Fair. Many of you have just come from the Clark County Fair. It's just wrapped up this last weekend. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the first community things when we first moved here. And there was a Republican booth there, and I got to talking to one of the people in the booth, and they talked me into signing up to become a Republican precinct officer, 
which is a, a very low-level uh, uh, point of involvement in party politics as a precinct officer. And Sometimes if, they're very important, though. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. that's what it, it's. But it's it's the lowest yeah. level of actual involvement. If right. you want to get involved, that's the first place to get started. Exactly. I want to encourage any of your listeners, if they want to get involved in politics and try to change our world, our government, one of the most important places to get started and to learn is as a precinct committee yep. officer with the party. Yep, and I want to echo uh, that because that is definitely true. I know what Yaroslav, you were, uh, you're still PCO. Yeah. So I'm I'm a PCP oh, here so, in, in Oregon. Uh, oh, you guys are PCO. Uh, so yeah. I'm in Oregon. We told you we're just starting Great. out. I love it. I love it. That's good. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's yeah. so I just wanted to yeah. Mention it's an important it's, building it's, block. It's important. And it's easy. It's yeah. very accessible. Yeah, and it's critical to candidates. Yes. Candidates need your help as PCOs because right. we can't be everywhere, right? And there's a lot of positions open. That's what people don't realize. They're like, am I going to have to run against somebody? Like, rarely do you have to for... Like, I would say there's probably a 50-50 chance the, there's a vacancy. Yeah. Just reach out, go on the website to the Republican Party website, find the website, yeah. call somebody on there and say, hey, I live at such and such an address. They'll tell you what precinct that is. Yep. And they'll be able to tell you if somebody's in that slot or not. And oftentimes, if just by calling up and saying, I'm interested, the chairman of the party could just appoint you right. to that job. Well, it's even easier here in, in Multnomah County because there's a, it's almost unlimited amount of vacancies because it's such a, you know, the, to, the amount of people who are interested to run here in Multnomah County is so little. So few. So yeah. there's, there's pretty much unlimited amount because there's, it's, a little, it's a little different. There's like, you can have actually like five or 10. Uh, uh, PCPs or PCOs per per precinct. So it's a little different here in Milton okay. County. So for those people that are going to be starting out and they're looking at these PCO positions, they're named differently in different areas. Um, uh, what do you recommend? Like, wh what's the function? What what do they do? Can you kind of explain like sure, what happened sure. when you joined the, the first? Primary job of a precinct committee officer is to to know their precinct. A precinct is a geographic piece of territory. You know, we have a country and then we have states and we have counties and we have cities and within the cities we have towns and within a town then we have precincts so you you might you remember back in 1960 they had the the nixon kennedy race and the, you know kennedy barely beat nixon and uh it's said in the history books that he only beat him by one vote per precinct mm. So if one person had voted differently in each of the precincts in America, the outcome of that election would have been very different. So the precinct level, again, is very important. And your, your job is to know the people in your precinct. Know who the Democrats are, know who the Republicans are, know who the independents are that don't you know, prefer either party. So when a candidate is running, you can take them around to the people that you know are Republicans and introduce them to them. You can also remind everybody that lives in your community when there's an election day that they've got to go vote, make sure they get their ballot turned in. But really, it's a geographic, I guess, canvassing, if you will. Mm -hmm. Over the course of the year, a few hours a week, you go door to door and meet your neighbors. And while you're meeting and talking to your neighbors, you, you, know, you ask them, talk to them a little bit about politics, and you kind of just make a note. Because we don't register in Washington State to vote by party like you right, do no. in many other states. Oregon. Open primaries. <laughs> yeah. And so it. it's very hard to tell when you're campaigning and you want to turn people out to vote. 
you don't want to turn the wrong people out to vote, but it's hard to tell who you should right. turn yeah. out because in any other state, you can look at a list of voters and it says right on there whether they're a Republican or Democrat, but it doesn't right. it doesn't say that in Washington. Right. So you have to work at it a little. There's bit some great apps though. Technology has figured out. Way. Yes. <laughs> well, I, since we're since we're nonpartisan, I do have to mention as well the the there's. There's a PCOs are on the Democratic Party and Republican Party. Yeah, so, both parties so both have, have it. That's yeah. right. So in, uh, you know, if you lived in Precinct 500, for example, there would be two PCOs. There would right. be a Democrat PCO and there would be a Republican PCO. Exactly. And, then and you, you would work with the Republican Party exactly. and the other person would work with the Democrat Party. And of course, yeah. for our listeners, I, I would always first encourage to to join our team and vo- and work with us and volunteer on our team. But if you are looking for more, maybe working with a specific party, that's an avenue that you can go into. Sure. But the it's nice available thing about voting, on both sides. Exactly. The nice thing about working with us or volunteering for Slavic Vote is that you actually get to work with both sides because you get to, you know, you're, there's no, no party affiliation essentially. So that's kind of a benefit in many ways. Yeah. You can work with, with anybody yeah. that wants to be involved in elections, exactly. period. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And so, yep. hey, well, just to continue the story, yes. after I was elected to PCO, I, I went to a Republican dinner, and many people may remember Linda Smith. She was a state senator at the time, very conservative. And she came over and talked to me and said, uh, hey, I understand you're interested in politics, maybe running for something sometime. And I said, well, yeah. And she said, well, we need business people in the legislature. And So long story short, I ended up running with her encouragement uh, for the State House of Representatives in 1994, and I won. Uh, and I, I went and was sworn in in January and served for two years in the House of Representatives. And towards the end of that term, the state senator in that same district was running for election, and I decided that I wanted to run for the state senate. So he was a Democrat. There were two Republican House members. I thought, you know what, we got two House members that are Republicans. Our senator should be Republican, too. So I ran against him uh, for the Senate and won. And uh, I spent 20 years in the Senate, uh, re-elected five times. Uh, All tough races, you know, all all real tough races. What's the closest you ever got? Uh, 72 votes, five recounts the last time, 2012. Uh, if thirty so if thirty six people had voted for the other guy, I would have lost. So, so uh, it was a seventy two vote swing. That's so important because this is what we try to drive to the Slavic community. Every um, vote counts. Well, yes. the, the way that we look at it, this some, somebody explained this to us. I don't know who it was back in the day when we first started. They're like, okay, so imagine there's a pool of voters that have been voting every year in and out every year. Let's say there's like five thousand. With the Slavic community not voting, we're not even on a radar. So whenever you add another uh, batch of people, that can swing things Dramatically. in a major way. Mm-hmm. And we didn't realize this. We're like, well, there's a couple thousand Slavic people in Vancouver. What are we going to do? Um, and you telling us by 72 <laughs> votes, that's just – because right now the numbers that we see are probably like a, by 1,000. Well, I want to tell you something 100. even more important yeah. than that, Yar. It was the Slavic vote that won that election for me. Mm. <laughs> There's no question about it. Oh, because you can get the voters office they put ballots aside if mm-hmm. the if the signatures don't match oh, or if yeah. somebody hasn't signed the envelope, forgot to sign it. So you can get a list of all those that are sitting there. So what we did is we took a list with That's all so the Slavic names cuz I have a friend that speaks Russian. <laughs> What's his name? Gavork. Wow. I need to meet him. 
And Gavor get, met him at the, in the Masonic Lodge. He's a, he's a Masonic brother. And he said, I'll go with you, and we will talk to these people because uh, I can speak their language. I said, okay. So we isolated a list, and we went, and Gavor, and he and I went to the door, knocked on the door, talked to the, these folks. They had voted, but their vote wasn't being counted because they'd either forgotten to sign the, or the signature didn't match. They didn't sign it the same way when they had registered. Wow. And we converted almost, I think, 1,200 of those votes that would not have been counted into votes that were counted. Wow. And after those votes were counted, I was declared the winner. So I want, I want to thank the Slavic community in um, Vancouver and Clark and this, County. This is 2012? 2012. That is an absolute fact. If it was not, oh, for, wow. the, if it was not for the Slavic votes we would not have had enough to get over the top. Right. And so we're, we're, I'm very much aware of the Slavic community <laughs> in Vancouver. I always have been. And because my values and their values match. Right. I'm, I'm conservative. I'm uh, Christian. We have moral values. Uh, and these things are important right. uh, to people, not only in my community and the Slavic community, and, and people all over are very interested in candidates that will stand up, for moral values, and that's what I've always done. Right. And so they they voted for me because they know me. Uh, they just uh, weren't going to have their ballots counted unless we got got them to <laughs> yeah, sign that affidavit. It, it, so. it might sound funny, but that was actually one of the biggest hurdles that we had. We had so many people. We're we're doing registration drives. The first year, all we were doing was just registration drives every Sunday midweek, and so many people. Does your you know, they're signing their ballots, even registering to get the ballots, and uh, their signature doesn't match their license. You're like, redo it, redo it. Yeah. It's, it's such a common mistake, and people well, don't speaking of, it. It really is. And speaking of registration drives, something I forgot to mention earlier, we are having registration drives this Sunday. So if, if so folks are listening to us and they haven't uh, yeah. registered yet for any reason, which that's... Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> they, can, they, can, <laughs> they can visit us at the church that, here in Fairview, uh, Ukrainian Bible Church. A lot of folks know about it. It's a big church. They can go there, and they can find our booth, and we can help them register or answer any questions as well. Yeah. So we'll be there. Uh, again, if you are listening to us and you're not registered to vote, if you ever wanted to uh, learn more about this, uh, meet our team, you can come to the church, Ukrainian Bible Church, 10 o'clock this Sunday. Sure. And if, if folks in Vancouver and Clark County have questions about it, they can call yeah. me. Yeah. Call my office. Yeah. And we'll Happy be to do that. we'll be doing the drive uh, next the weekend after that in, in Washington State. So terrific. So we'll, give me a call. I'll come and help you. <laughs> sounds good. Right. We're, we're busy every the, until election day. I think we're gonna have almost election registration drives almost every Sunday. So it's gonna be busy. That's so awesome <laughs> because it's so important to be involved. Yeah. Uh, when you look and see the percentage and how small the percentage is of people that actually participate, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, that that small number gets to dictate who's in charge of our government. And so you, you'll you'll be involved when you see how small the number is. It's really. almost like 30-70, right? Dimitri was giving us some numbers for the primaries for uh, Oregon, and it was just dismal. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> like last-minute dismal. It was, uh, it was around 20, like uh, under 30,000, 30%. Well, yeah. it used to be you had to be registered at least 30 days before the election. In yeah. Washington, the law has changed. I, I'm not sure what it is in Oregon. Uh, uh, in Washington, you can now register to vote yeah. right up until the day of the election. Yeah, in Oregon, it has to be three now, weeks. I'm not sure that's a yeah. good idea. Yeah. But I'm just saying, since it's the law, right. 
there are folks that haven't registered that may exactly. want to take advantage of that. And we, and we right. definitely take uh, mention because the Slavic community can mm -hmm. be procrastinators and they like to vote last minute or they, for some reason, decided to register to vote last minute. So we definitely remind folks they can register to vote up to the election day and, and vote and go on our website and, and use our resources that we have in there if they want to look for you know, the names that they want to vote for that we recommend. Very good. Very yeah. good. I'm trying to think now after I was elected and I served for 20 years in the state Senate. 2017, right? Uh, I, I was, my last election was 2012, and it was a four-year term. And so I, I, that was my last term, my fifth term. I served all four years of it. I didn't quit early. I, mm -hmm. I tell people I'm going to represent you for the whole term. I do. I keep my word. And when my term was over, I announced, uh, or even before it was over, in March of that year, I, I told folks, I'm not going to run for re-election. I've done it for 20 years and two years before that in the House, uh, I'm not going to run for re-election. I'm going to come home, stay stay home. Mm. And uh, about three days later, I got a call from President Trump. Mm. He, he read <laughs> in the paper, I guess, that I wasn't going to run for re-election. Wow. And it was, it was mind-boggling that, that they would know that. And they asked me if I would help on his election since I wasn't going to be running mm. my own. And I said, certainly I would help uh, because... I want to try to save America, and, right. and I was of the belief at that time that he was the only one that could right. do it, and so I went to work for him. I want to take a moment to thank all of our sponsors for allowing us to be here on this program and all of our future programs. Some of the sponsors are Pilmeni Pilmeni, Nina Martina, a real estate broker, America's Best Realty, Exceptional Homes, Dreamhouse Construction, Imperial Cabinets, Solution 8020, Gold Cup Coffee House, Red Hills Construction, Sibironi, Lanos Floral, Third House Media, and some others. Without these companies, without these organizations, we couldn't be on this program. And if you would like to be our next sponsor, reach out to us by visiting slavicvote.org. We would love to partner with you and further our mission. Thank you very much. Why does the Washington State, compared to Oregon, why does Washington State have two state representatives for per district? Oregon has only one. Washington has two per district. I'm, I'm just curious, why? what's the difference there, if, uh, if you have an idea? The, I can't tell you why it's like that, but I can tell you that every state is different. Right. Uh, Nebraska, for example, doesn't even have House members. Interesting. They don't even wow. have a House of Representatives in Nebraska. Is it just all senators? It's, it's called a unicameral legislature, which wow. means one body. And it's a Senate. Mm. There is no such thing as a House member in Nebraska. So every state has a little bit different system. In uh, Maryland, it's called the House of Delegates. Mm. In California, it's the State Assembly. In Oregon and Washington, it's the state house of representatives, right? And some, like in Texas, have different districts. A district for the house, a district for the Senate, district for another. Here in Washington, it's 39 districts, two house members for one district, one senator for one district. But in California, the Senate districts and the assembly districts overlap. They're not the same territory. So every state is a little bit different. And that's the beauty of the United right. States is that we are we have 50 sovereign states yeah. that do things their way, the way the citizens in that state want to do them, right? Yep. 
And that's the beauty of America. Exactly. Uh, is that each state, is if you like it better in this state, well, you can move over there. If you like it better over in another state, you can move over there. And we're seeing that now. We're seeing yeah, a lot of people move. Well, yeah. You know, to all my family the, moved to uh, South Carolina. So exactly. I'm pretty much the only one they hear. Because they all have different systems. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so when they set up Washington State, the original founders decided that uh, they wanted 98 members in the House and 49 members in the Senate. So it would take, you know, uh, 100 votes or 99 votes to break a tie, right, to, to pass something in the House and 50 to pass something in the Senate. You have to have a majority in both chambers. Right, right. Uh, and so each state set up their system just a little bit differently. Right. Well, that's the, again, like you said, it's the beauty. Of the, if you don't like one way, you can move to another state and you can find whatever works here best for you. So you mentioned you resigned from or you finished your term. Correct. And then three days later, President Trump himself called you or his staff? No, no, no. His himself. Uh, campaign manager, Corey okay. Lewandowski. Awesome. Yeah. And then after that, uh, tell us the rest of the story. Well, they called and asked if I could uh, run the West Coast for them because mm -hmm. they were just one Florida and they were now... Unlike most presidential campaigns, Donald Trump ran a very different presidential campaign. He, he would win where he had to win before he looked to somewhere else. Because hmm. he knew if he didn't win Florida, what would be the sense in having an operation in Washington State, right? So he waited until he won Florida, and then, okay, now we need something in Washington State. So he reached out to me uh, and asked if I would do the West Coast, and I, I can't. I had just signed on to help uh, Commissioner Milky with the county. The county had been sued for $60 million for not following the environmental laws. And uh, Commissioner Milky asked me if I could come to work at the county to try to save the taxpayers from having to pay that $60 million fine. So I had agreed to do that, which did not leave me the capacity to take on the whole West Coast for Donald Trump. But I did agree to run Washington State for him because I had enough time to do that. And so <clears throat> I did. Uh, I went on and worked on that lawsuit for the commissioner, and we ended up settling that lawsuit for $3.6 million, oh, wow. saving the taxpayers $57 million. Uh, so that was very successful. Once that was done, uh, I could then do more for the presidential campaign. But by that time, we had won Washington State. 72% of the Republican vote went to Donald Trump in Washington State. And we then, he then asked me to come to the convention and help in Cleveland. And so myself and several of our team went and we managed the convention floor for the president uh, in Cleveland. And on Thursday night... Uh, after he'd won the nomination, he asked me up to his suite, and uh, myself and my friend Senator Dansel visited with President and Ivanka and Jared Kushner, and that's where they asked me if I would take on uh, four or five more states for the general election. Uh, when you go back home, will you run Oregon and Washington and Idaho and Alaska and Montana and Hawaii? Uh, will you find state directors there, hire them, and get organizations up and running in those six states? You get to travel to Hawaii often? So I did it all virtually. Oh, virtually, yeah, wow. Did it all virtually. Too much time to fly yeah. there and back. Time is, yeah. in a situation like that, after the convention, we only had literally five months before yeah. the general election. Oh, wow. 
And so time was of the essence. We had to move, and we had to move very quickly. So we did. Within a week, I had state directors in every state. And within two weeks, we had full teams up and running in all six states. So it was a pretty massive operation. Fortunately, the Trump Organization was very good with technology. They had some of the best campaign technology and infrastructure I've ever worked with. And so we were able to make literally millions of phone calls on behalf of the president into many states. We, we, Washington citizens on my team made somewhere around 700,000 phone calls into Pennsylvania. Mm. Uh, we made another half million phone calls early on into Arizona. Uh, we didn't need as many calls there later in the election, but early we did. Michigan, we worked, we worked Michigan very heavily from Washington State, from Washington and Oregon and Hawaii. These volunteers were working the phones into Michigan. And the technology that President Trump had made that very workable, very doable. And up until that point, really, you had to move volunteers physically to places to, to actually get stuff done. The Trump campaign was the first organization where we could actually use volunteer time and work in one place to benefit another geographic location thousands of miles away. It was very effective. And obviously we won. And shortly before Christmas, uh, Jared called me and asked me if I would uh, consider coming to work for the administration and uh, help the president make America great again. That's awesome. And I said, sure, I would do that. So they asked me to come to D.C. and help with transition. Originally, that was all I was going to do was come and spend that four to seven weeks, right, during the transition while the Senate is confirming all of the cabinet secretaries. You've got to have somebody from your administration keeping an eye on 12 different, 12 or 13 different cabinet agencies. So he asked me to manage the EPA because I had environmental experience running the environmental department at the county. And uh, so I went in with 11 volunteers, uh, and we took over the EPA on, uh, on the day he was sworn in. And I was sworn in the very next day at the, at the EPA, and we managed the EPA for seven weeks. We ran the EPA until the Senate confirmed uh, the new administrator, and then uh, I was going to come home. But they wouldn't let me come home. <laughs> I tried to sound come like home. You're gonna... <laughs> I tried to come home, but, but they they talked me into staying. Jared said, "The president, you've done such a good job. He wants you to run your own federal agency. Will you stay and run a federal agency?" I said, "Which one?" I said, "I can't tell you right now. You know, everything's top secret, of course. I'll call you back in a few days." So he called me back in a few days, and he told me which agency. And uh, I said, do you, do you have to be confirmed by the Senate? He said, no, they, they, they've discontinued that. And I said, I have one question. When I was running the EPA, I reported up to the president through the Cabinet Affairs Office. And I didn't like how some of my reports ended up going through there when they finally got to the president. Who do I report up to or how do I report through to the president in this new job? And he said, I'll never forget, I thought you'd ask that. <laughs> so I double-checked. The law that put this agency, that created this agency, requires the director to report directly to the president of the United mm. States. And that's when I said, I'll take the job. Amazing. So I agreed. Uh, Judge Alito, Sam Alito, almost conservative justice on the court at mm -hmm. the time, uh, administered the oath of office to me in the 
in the Supreme Court. Mary flew back uh, the very next day, flew back to D.C., brought the family Bible, my grandfather's Bible, and I took the oath uh, right there in the Supreme Court. It was a great honor for me and quite an honor for the Benton family to be Mm -hmm. sworn in by Justice Alito, really. And so I stayed with the president for four years. I ran the uh, Selective Service Agency. It's the one agency in this government that is responsible for providing emergency manpower to the Department of Defense in the case of a national crisis. Uh, that's, what, that's what we do. Uh, that's what I did. And uh, the agency needed a lot of work. It had not been tuned up in many years. And so we got busy. I asked the president, you know, what is it? Is there anything specific you want me to do? And he said, Don, I just need to know the agency can perform its mission if we need it. He said, so just make sure that it's tuned up, ready to go. And so that's what I did. I tuned it up and got it ready to go in case we need it. Knock on wood. Thank God we don't need it. We didn't need it. But it's one of those really important agencies that nobody ever really thinks about. It's like you want it to be ready to go if you need it. Because the worst thing in the world is to need it and not have it able to function, not able to do its job. That could be a real disaster. So, Especially right now, what shape is it in? <laughs> well, it's been in pretty good shape since because the Biden administration has been so incompetent, they haven't been able to appoint a new director mm. in almost two years now. Who's, uh, who's uh, operating so, now? So the guy that's running is the guy I left in charge when I oh, left. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so, so we're in good two, hands. So for two years, the agency's been operating pretty good stead. I just learned today on the way to this interview oh, wow. that the president has appointed a oh, wow. uh, deputy director. Uh, and, of course, they still are in touch with some of the employees there. So I heard through the grapevine that, that things aren't looking so good right now. But, but we've been good up until now. So mm-hmm. let's hope that they can't mess it up too bad in two years and we can, we can get back in there and fix right. anything they've messed up. So it sounds like so this is one agency that is important to keep and not to... To remove, like, oh, there's yeah. so many agencies that we have, I believe, in the government that uh, is just a waste of taxpayer money. Well, there are a lot of them. Yeah. And there's a lot of waste in a lot of agencies. And there was waste in this agency, too. I found it and I stopped mm. it. Good. But it's a small agency. And I tell people it costs about what it would cost to buy an Apache helicopter. Wow. One to run that agency for a year. Uh, it's the cheapest insurance policy you could ever want because I I, I put it to people like this. If you know anything about the insurance business, State Farm and Allstate and all the insurance companies, they buy insurance too because if there's a huge disaster, uh, they got to have somebody bigger than them backing them up financially. So a lot of times they'll buy disaster insurance from Lloyd's of London. So if, every house in Washington is ruined by an earthquake, then State Farm and Farmers Insurance can go to Lloyd's of London and cash in on their policy. The selective service is like the Lloyd's of London for the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and the Coast Guard. When when things are so bad that they can't handle it anymore, and and that would be have to be pretty bad because they're really good and they can handle a lot, but when it gets when they're so overwhelmed that they can't handle it, they've got to pass on to somebody else to step up. And that's what the Selective Service does. They call us and say, we don't have enough guys. And we have 60 days to supply 100,000 
bodies to the Department of Defense. So it's a really important agency. You hope you never need it, <laughs> but it's one of those that if you do, it better be working properly, right? Because right. not only do you need the manpower, you need it now. You need it quickly. Right. And when I say manpower, I mean men and women both. It's just manpower is a term, that's all, uh, for bodies, you know, right. people for the military. Uh, so it was a great honor to do that job. Um, it was a lot of responsibility. Um, and it was a huge, hugely important task. And I felt that if I could do that for the president, then that would keep that off of his mind and he could, you know, focus on other things. Right. And so, right. we, like any job, you break it up into enough small tasks and then it's not overwhelming. Right. Right. And so I did that for four years. I was one of the one of the few people in the administration that lasted the whole four years yep. with the president, and I was very proud to do that. We're still we're still friends today. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think it just kind of kind of opens up a picture of when an administration switches, especially if it's you know from a different party to a different party, how quickly things have to be done, and you're pretty much taken over like a company, like or a country, in having to supply people's services. Um, uh, I think we should probably get back to you're back home now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. That right. sounds like a, a well, uh, a life well lived. <laughs> I would say I loved I mean, every minute in, of it, in but I love from, being home. Right. I'm so glad to get home. Well, from before PCO to before we transition to the question about probably just so you can share yeah. a little bit about the race that you're running now and just a little bit about that position and sure. educate us a little bit. I have to ask this question. You bet. Since you have the direct line to <laughs> President oh, Trump. No. Do you, do you have any, any insight? Is he going to be <laughs> announcing it for 2024? Oh, well, first oh. of all, he wouldn't tell me <laughs> if he was. And secondly, if he did tell me, I certainly couldn't tell you. Right? So I, I hope he does, as many of my colleagues hope he does. Many of us believe he will, mm -hmm. uh, of course. And if he calls on us to help him again, we certainly will. There's no question about that because I think everybody can see what's happened to this country since he left office, and it's not good, right? Right. Um, even my Democrat friends tell me, it's way worse than I ever thought it would be. So it's not just Republicans that realize that it was a huge mistake electing Joe Biden. There's a lot of Democrats that are now coming around to that conclusion right. also. Right. Well, if the Slavic community is listening, which a lot of them support President Trump, and they would like him to run again. So if, if they're interested to get involved, these are the positions that we talked about, the PCO. That's the, that's the level you get in to, yeah. to help the president uh, to run for re-election again. So if they are interested to do whatever they can to help that in those races, that's where you start. And we talked about it, and, and then uh, they can reach out, and we're happy to coordinate that and, and happy to na navigate them and maybe even uh, bring them to those meetings where they can learn more and, and even get appointed to those positions. We would love to get them more involved in the in the presidential race, not just in this state but in other states, uh, because we need to win. We need yeah. to put someone, if not Donald Trump, someone like Donald Trump, back in the White House again as soon as possible. All right. All right. Awesome. Well, you're running right now for a different position. You're back to, in town, but back to your home state. It's been probably a few years since uh, you ran for something, or have you, did you run last last time in 2020 for no, anything? No, Just, I've been working for the president, so right. I I didn't run for office. I've been working in an appointed office, right? Right. right. And but I came home and uh, great to get home, but it was <laughs> sad to come to the property taxes 
the property taxes almost, not quite, but almost doubled just in the time I was gone. It has become so much more expensive to live in Clark County than when I went to work for the president uh, back in 2016, 2017. So something has to be done. And so I talked to folks, what's going on, what happened? Well, the county council, they're the ones that determine the property taxes. Uh, how come we don't have any police protection in Clark County? How come Clark County is the lowest cop per population in the state? I think it's less than one half of one policeman, right, for every thousand people, which is the worst in the entire state of Washington. So it's very unsafe for citizens in Clark County now uh, because we just don't have uh, enough sheriff's deputies. Uh, they're not paying them enough. Uh, Vancouver Police Department gets paid almost 26% more than a Clark County Sheriff's deputy does. So we hire them and train them and so on, and then they go to work for the City Police Department, and so we're out. So all of these issues, and it's like, well, who's addressing this? And the folks I talked to said, well, it, nobody's been addressing these issues. You, why don't you run? You need to run. And I said, I wouldn't run for office again, Right. So I went and I talked to my wife, Mary, and we discussed it. And we thought, if I don't have to go to D.C. and I don't have to go to Olympia, if I can stay in my own home and use my experience to help my neighbors, then why not? Right. And so that's what we decided to do. We decided to run for Clark County Commissioner. They've cut the county up now into five districts, which is very different than it used to be. Uh, But one of those districts is very conservative. And it just happens to be the one I live in. So when I saw that, I thought to myself, they must have drawn this district for me (laughs) because I'm very conservative and only a real conservative is going to get elected here. So uh, I ran and then a bunch of other people ran, too. We just had a primary, as you you know, primaries. Right. And I came out on top of the, uh, the Republican primary. So it'll be myself now and a Democrat, although it's called a nonpartisan race. Mm -hmm. And I know people are going to be confused when they go in to vote because they've never seen this before. This will be the first time wow. ever. They'll go in to vote. They'll open it up and they'll go to vote for the Republican and they'll look at the ballot and they'll go, uh-oh, which one's the Republican? Because for the first time, it's not going to say wow. under your name really? what, that you're a Republican or a Democrat. It says prefers, used to, or it says usually won't, prefers, yeah, right? Won't say that. Oh. It, okay. For this county off. Now, for state representative, it'll say that. For state senator, right. it'll say that. For governor, secretary, well, there's no governor on the ballot this time, but yeah. secretary of state is on the ballot, it'll say that. But for Clark County commissioner, it will not tell you on the ballot whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. So your listeners are going to need to know before they go to vote because there's just nothing there. You're going right. to be looking at two names, and if you don't have a clue, you're not right. going to know which one's a Republican and which one's a Democrat. Well, if they if they go on our website, uh, they can yeah. find our voter guide that will help them. And uh, yes, so we'll be putting out that like we usually do, and, and that'll hopefully help. And so they'll be looking at a position as a Clark County commissioner. Uh, what's position? Which number is that? Position? District five. Five. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. District well, five. we'll have that available. We usually release our voter guides about two weeks before the election day. So they can find that on, on our website, slavicvote.org. And uh, we just had um, uh, Ray Reynolds on. I'm guessing you'll be working with him uh, if you both well, win. If, if Ray is elected sheriff and I'm elected the county commission, we'll, we, we will work very closely together. Awesome. Yep. Whoever's elected sheriff, because the county board of uh, counselors, they call it now, they used to call it the 
People get confused. It was called a county commissioner or the county commission. Now it's called a county counselor or a mm-hmm. county council, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it, the county council right. controls the budget for the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. So if the sheriff wants to pay the deputies more money, he's going to have to get the money from the Clark County Council, right? right? And clearly, we need to pay our deputies right. more. There's no question about that. And that's a two-year term or four-year term? Four-year term. Four-year term. Yeah, so four-year that'll, term. that'll be 2026 20, is when your term is over. Correct. So. <laughs> Assuming that we're, I'm fortunate <laughs> enough to win. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, I, I, our time flies really quickly, and unfortunately, we are at the end of our program. Are we really? Wow. I know. It flies I had really such quickly. a good time. I know. I'll have, have to come back. We'll have a good time. Yeah, we'll have was... to have you. Well, I, I was going to say we have to have you back because you oh. mentioned something that I've always been curious about, and especially you mentioned there's a Slavic person in uh, Masonic, uh, and, and I, I, I've always been curious what that is, and it sounds like uh, uh, you mentioned that a little bit, so we'll have to bring you on, and, and you can share a little bit about what what exactly is this uh, mysterious Masonic group? And uh, we, not we, really very mysterious. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, sounds it's, like a bunch of business people. It's, it's a group of community folks that you know, like the Kiwanitas or the Rotary or really you know community organizations that want to help their community, right? right? And 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 help themselves grow too, because right. you, you grow and learn from other guys and in the organization right. and so it's uh it's not not very dissimilar from the jc's if people are familiar with the jc's or junior chamber of mm. commerce uh you know these other organizations that do scholarships for the community and help the community uh that's really what it's all about is okay. helping the community all right well we'll we'll we can get into that a little bit more because i know that there's a lot of mystery around that so we'll we'll, we'll break and debunk some of those perhaps so we'll, we'll think I just ask your people to remember Don Benton yes. when they go to vote. That's where where all. they can find more information about you? Uh, my website is uh, www.benton4forcouncil, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, benton4council.com. Well, right, thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can always find all of our recordings on our website, on YouTube page, Slavic Vote uh, Live, and uh, you can hear all of our previous episodes and all of our pu- pu- future episodes and don't forget, we also have our episodes on podcast as well, where you could listen to all of those and learn and hopefully um, learn something new, because that's the point of these programs is to educate uh, and to help the community get out and vote. So thank you for tuning in. You were listening to Slavic Vote Live. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to Slavic Vote Live. We really appreciate you listening to this program. Don't forget to click that like button, subscribe, and share this program with your friends and family. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much and have a great day. Many people will sit and complain when something hurts, but so few actually go to do something about it. And it's not that people don't want to, it's where do you begin, right? The future is bright because I see a community rising up and saying, hey, we're going to do something about this. We're not just talking about this, we're not just complaining about it, but we're taking steps.
новая программа Славик Ворлд Лайф. Каждую неделю в прямом эфире. Славик Ворлд Лайф.